Well, after my freshman year in college at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, I came home and I communicated to my parents that I was going to be working at a summer camp up in Rylander, Wisconsin called Fort Wilderness. And they said, well, that's great because you need a job. You got to earn money for college. And I'm like, well, part of the deal of this position is that you don't make any money. And they really struggled with that. And they said, you know what? Then you can't go. Because you need to be working in order so that you can go back to college. You need money for college. So we're not in agreement that you're going to spend your summer at a camp and not get paid anything. And so I was wrestling with this because I'm thinking, hey, I'm 18. (laughs) I can call my own shots. I can do what I want. But yet there was this other reality happening in my life because two years prior to that, I had first started following Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And so there was this tension, this conflict, because when I looked in God's word in Ephesians 6.1, it said, children, obey your parents for it is right. And I'm like, what do I do? Hey, I'm 18. I can call my own shots. But now as a Christ follower, I am called to obey my parents. But I'm thinking, well, man, I'm like an adult. You know, hey, college freshman, I'm a, you know, that kind of thing. But yet there's this, this gnawing at me, but I'm still under the authority of my parents. You know, they're supporting me, help me through school. I'm still under this authority, so what is it? And in the end, I decided that I needed to be obedient to my parents, which later on impacted my witness to them. But they said, listen, why don't you go for the first two weeks in June and serve, come back, and then work. And then I ended up doing that and working at Pier 1 Imports. And it was sort of a a good deal in the end. And I don't know if my mom knew this or not. But when I went to camp, I ended up living in a teepee with eight middle school boys. No windows, no electricity or nothing. And middle school boys didn't know at that time, at least, that deodorant was invented. And they only brought typically one pair of clothes, which they wore constantly. And so it was pretty dicey, you know, after a couple of weeks. But, you know, my mom raised five boys and four girls, so she understood smells and that. So I think she saved me from a summer of uh, unbelievable uh, torture, maybe. But, but, you know, we like our freedom, right? We like our freedom. Hey, as Americans, we base our freedom on our First Amendment. But when we become Christ followers, the amendment in our life is we are now under Jesus as Lord. The word amendment is a change or addition designed to improve a text or legislation, right? So what was amended in my life, designed to improve my life, What was amended was my old self and Jesus coming in to make my new self better. So we need to ask the question here this morning. 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when I received Jesus, there was a death that occurred on the cross in addition to Jesus' death. It was my death. Bill died and is now resurrected in the life of Jesus Christ. So sin no longer rules my life. I no longer rule my life. Jesus rules my life. Now, I'm not saying I'm standing up here perfect. I mean, you can ask my family. But what I'm saying is my life now is directed by Jesus to now act like Jesus. You know, when people accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they love the Savior side. Hey, that's awesome. That's sweet. Hey, forgive my sin, eternal life. But then they struggle with the Lord side because they still want control of their life. They still want to call their own shots, right? But what does the word Lord mean? It means owner. He now owns us. That's why Jesus said, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord? but yet you don't do what I say. I mean, the reality is he is now the new owner, the new director of our life. So during this COVID days and the government asking us to follow certain recommendations or an executive order, I'm getting Christ followers at New Hope and others say, we do not have to follow these orders because of our First Amendment rights allow us freedom to exercise our religion. But does it? But does it? So the second question is this. Are we free among others? Are we free among others? We may say government does not have the right to keep us from exercising religion. It's our First Amendment right. Yes, as Americans, but maybe no, as Christians. We need to ask ourselves, are we an American first or are we a Christ follower first? Which is it? Which is second? Are we an American or a Christ follower? If we are a Christian first then let's see how the First Amendment is to be approached. So the words of the First Amendment itself establishes six rights for Americans. The right to, the, the right to be free from governmental establishment of religion, meaning the government will not establish a uh, you know, religion for the country, saying, hey, this is going to be a Buddhist nation or an Islamic nation or a Christian nation. Secondly, the right to be free from governmental interference with the practice of religion. Okay? So, yes, we would agree with that, that they should not inhibit us from practicing our religion. But we have to reconsider when they are asking us to do it for the safety of the whole of the people around us. Third, the right to free speech. 
As Christ followers, we don't have this right. We can't speak how we would want to speak as the world speaks. When you look at social media and what's on social media or or what's in the lyrics of music today and that. We are bound by one greater. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So we need to watch our words, regardless of who we're sending words towards, whether we agree or disagree. We got to watch what we sing or lyrics. I pulled up by the stoplight in Menards, had my windows down. The guy next to me in the car was... And you effing this and effing that and women this and women that. And I'm like, that's freedom. There it is. That's freedom of speech. Degration, you know, disrespect. We don't have that option under the First Amendment, right? Number four, the right to freedom of the press. I mean, where has that led us? Colossians 3.9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And we don't have this freedom just like, hey, I'm going to write what I want. I'm going to write what sells. I'm going to write what's going to put me into, you know, move people to this position or that position. We are bound by one greater. Number five, the right to assemble peacefully. You know, in reality, even though we have mask mandatory and protocol of how we need to come in, we still have the full 100% freedom to come in and worship Jesus. They're just asking us to social distance and wear a mask. Number six, the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. We as Christ followers can do that. We can bring grievances. You do that in other parts of the world, they just kill you. Seriously. They just kill you. Galatians 5, 13, 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. As a Christ follower... When I died on the cross with Jesus, and now I'm under him and his lordship, it's no longer all about me. Another way of saying this is that if we think of others, we need to think of others just before we think of ourselves. This is, of course, not the natural way for Americans, right? And how we think or how we talk or how we act. We have our rights. We insist on our rights. We demand our rights. I think a lot about what it means to be a Christian, but yet to also be a U.S. citizen. And I like what this one Christian author stated. I understand that standing up for our rights is a basic virtue in our nation. I also understand that giving up our rights for the sake of others is a basic Christian virtue. I also understand that it can be difficult to practice both virtues simultaneously. I also recognize the problem of the potential slippery slope. We can hardly help but think, yes, but if I don't insist on my rights, I'll lose it. If we voluntarily compromise on a right, 
Won't they take it away completely? That's our thinking. I heard it last week. Still, when I think about how to live as a Christian in the United States, I find myself pondering the necessity of accepting some limitations on some of my rights. If that's what love for others compels me to do. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Rather, in humility, love others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So are we free among others? No. As a follower of Jesus... Our freedoms are limited based on the need of another. I mean, Jesus set the ultimate example for us. We read it in Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus set aside his right as God, came down in human flesh to serve us, and was nailed to a cross. I mean, he gives us this example of setting aside your rights for another. He limited himself, and he calls us to participate in that kind of life as well. In 1 John 3.17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? And it's this whole idea that we believe that, hey, what we have is ours. It's mine. I own it. But in reality, as a Christ follower, no. When we decide to follow Jesus, we totally give up those rights and recognize he owns it all. We're just stewards of it. You know, it reminded me of a story of uh, last year I pulled into the parking lot here and there were two guys working on their truck and they were underneath working on their truck and I pulled up and I said, hey, do you guys need help with anything? And they're like, no, we got the part, but, you know, we don't have the right tools or we're missing this one part. I'm like, hey, I live close. I could just grab some tools for you and that. No, we're, we're okay. We just got to run back into town, get one extra part in that. And I'm like... How are you going to get there? Well, we're just going to walk in town and that. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll just park my car here, leave the keys in it. When you need to go into town, take my car, uh, use it however long you need to, and then just park it here, throw the keys on the, the floor. And they're looking at me like, dude, who are you? Like, you don't, you don't even know us. And I'm like, well, you don't even know me. You know, I mean, and they were just like, nobody does this. Who does this? And I'm like, hey, I don't own it. God owns it. It's only a car, so it'll be okay, you know? But it's just this idea, this shift, right? This shift of, it's not all about us, it's not all about our rights, it's not about, it's all mine, 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 right? When I decided to follow Jesus, when you decided to follow Jesus, our Lord's prayer changed. You know, prior to it, it was, Bill's will be done on earth as it is in my world. That was my daily prayer. 
when I started to follow Jesus, it shifted to his prayer that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prior to Jesus, I based my life on what I call the human trinity. Me, myself, and I. (laughs) And it shifted to the holy trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was a shift there, major shift. So do we live based on being an American or being a Christian? On our First Amendment rights or what Jesus amended in our life? I think it boils down to this. The Christian way is the way of love. And sometimes we show love by not insisting on our own rights. So let's pray. Father God, I pray that we would live in such a way that we would not demand our rights on a daily basis. It's easy for us to get sucked into this. But I say, I pray that we would seek the good of others instead of just seeking our own good. So help us, Lord, to follow the example of Paul and to humble ourselves and look to the interest of others. In this world today, I pray that we would be light in darkness, that we would live above our rights and that you would define those rights for us so that we can reflect the love, the hope, the peace to this world that you have provided for us. In your name, amen.